India charts the truth about the markets. Hi everyone, this is the 10th of March 2019. Everything that has happened in the markets today has happened before. That's the saying with which I would like to start because when we study the history of markets, we start believing that you can actually look ahead at market trends based on what you have seen before. One of the common sayings is also that history never repeats, but it rhymes. Uh, in many ways, it may repeat, uh, but in some ways, it might just have variations to the past, which is why it appears to rhyme. Now, if you're not a student of history, sometimes you can't really see that the same patterns are playing out with all their variations. Uh, but the only way that you can study uh, market history to really understand what is going on is to look at it at a very, very macro level. Uh, you have to take a holistic view and you can't really see those things at a micro level, which is why data becomes an important part, part of the entire study. So the way that we started off this week was with the end of the war on war. And the reason I say war on war is because it was not just what we saw at the border, but the loud sounds across media talking about what we should do about the whole issue and a lot of rhetoric around getting into a war itself became one of the big nuances that we had to really deal with. But as it went along, we took steps to at least attack the key issue of the moment, which was uh, the terrorist attacks themselves. And I think uh, once that became apparent that this was not going beyond uh, what was going to be uh, an exchange of uh, border fights, uh, to anything of the level of a national war that would attract international attention and probably uh, create a lot more pain in the near term. The markets held out and eventually rallied this week. So uh, last week, I think it was still under that tension. And as we moved in over the weekend and got a better understanding of the situation, we saw indices move up uh, and rally through this week. So I had the expectation, I think, from the time I wrote the long shot report, uh, uh, you know, early part of uh, this month, or I should say late uh, February, that uh, we would be seeing a bounce back uh, after the 20, 21st of uh, this month. And uh, that was a near-term oversold condition. And we are looking for uh, an ABC kind of move up. Uh, and that was initially targeting a 78% retracement of 11,100, uh, sorry, 11,000 itself. Uh, and then this week I did open up to the possibility of a slight overshoot on that and we did most of it and completed it. Though I thought it would complete before uh, those tensions broke out because I didn't have those tensions in mind. And I put out two videos online simply because of uh, the one-liner that I heard and I saw it on Twitter is that nobody could have seen this move coming and you're we actually looking for this move to happen uh, and it only got delayed by uh, the intermittent tensions that we faced, but eventually that ended up helping us form a very particular triangular B-wave pattern. Uh, and since triangles occur in B-waves, giving us more certainty that this was the final move up. The question really is whether it's complete or has a few more squiggles left on the upside, which is something we'll be watching out for this week. But a lot has happened to tell us that the next turn down might just be imminent. So while nobody could have seen this coming, uh, not only did we get this move up, uh, but one of the most interesting readings that we have now is the very, very extreme sentiment that, that has developed at this point. Now note, 
while this bounce back started and we even saw the bounce back coming from the lows of late October uh, when we had hit uh, close to 10,000 uh, I was looking at coming back to 10,900 and by the first week of December we were already at 10,940 so I would have thought that this move up would conclude quickly and turn down instead we've ended up being in a very tight band range and every time we've made uh, a higher high we've actually seen sentiment turn from uh, very very negative to increasingly positive which means that when we hit 10940 for the first time in December it was still very negative most people didn't think the market could really go up but once we surpassed that and reached 10985 which was our after the new uh, change at the helm of RBI the sentiment moved towards a lot of optimism because it was believed that the new man would bring about change, maybe even a change in the direction of interest rates. Uh, we've already seen one round of that and that hope got people more positive within that 30-40 point overshoot. Eventually a month later we then saw the markets move up again uh, and we moved towards 11.118. This happened not just on, uh, you know, we not only made a high on the budget day but after that into the RBI meet itself and by that time sentiment is even more stronger that uh, we should uh, you know be heading higher and then we've had these border skirmishes which has brought back certainty to the idea that possibly we see uh, the return of uh, the uh, same government being uh, voted in or at least that you would have a strong government and therefore the market is once again even more optimistic uh, than before and while I say all this, this is backed up by data because when you look at the all-time high that we made in August and then you look at where we are today, we had a put call ratio and I look at market-wide put call ratio, you may look at nifty put call ratio, uh, I just take the entire market data uh, which includes uh, both the options in nifty, bank nifty and stocks and when you look at that it was at around 1.42 in August at the top uh, at 11,007, uh, you know, 80, 60 that we actually peaked. And now when we are several hundred points lower than that and have only made a higher high of maybe not more than 100, 150 points on 10.940 in December, early December, 10.985, 11.118, that's like barely adding up 200 points and we actually at a lower low right now at 11.090 this week, the put call ratio hit a higher high surpassing 1.42, going to around 1.59. Uh, which ended up being the highest reading since we had you know around a 1.7 reading in the year 2010. So this is what has ended up happening and it gives you a sense that people are even more optimistic now at a lower low than they were at the higher high. And if you would think that that's something that was peculiar to the Indian market, we've actually seen something similar happen in the US itself, the US markets where the Russell actually had one of its worst weeks since December this week. Uh, we've also seen the put call ratio on the US key index, the S&P. Uh, data is actually showing that you're making a lower low uh, in the S&P which is after almost 80% one-sided rally to an 80% retracement you had a higher PCR reading at a lower high in the index itself before it rolled over at the start of this month so very very similar behavior in both markets and one of the things that you learn in Elliott is that when you get a wave 2 or uh, you know uh, reversal uh, wave twos often have more extreme sentiment than they had at, at the actual high or low point, which means if it's a bullish trend, then uh, the lowest level from where you uh, rally and then you make a higher bottom. At the higher bottom, sometimes you have worse sentiment than you had at the, uh, at, at the actual bottom. And the same thing happens on the way down itself. So when you're actually making a lower low and sentiment is higher, it goes in to confirm the idea that you're actually in a 
wave to pull back or uh, a counter trend move uh, that's likely to fail. Now that said, this sentiment extended itself to the mid-cap sector. We saw several broking houses come out and talk about a turnaround in the mid-cap sector because mid-caps uh, were one of the most beaten down stocks and they've been down for longer than the Nifty because they peaked out earlier uh, and fell for much longer and therefore their entire length of decline is somewhere close to the kind of decline we've seen a couple of times before, especially the more recent memory would be from 2010 to 2012, uh, know, uh, where uh, in a 12 to 13 month period, you had a significant meaningful decline in the mid-cap indices. And we've seen something similar actually play out this time around as well. So this similarity brings you to the idea of starting to discuss and expect that you get a reversal and the moment you got this bottom and a turnaround, then the mid-caps rallied pretty hard, retracing almost uh, you know, 60 to 80% of the uh, losses that we've seen in the index since the high that it made in January. Uh, but we've not, actually not gone above the Jan high. So even while we're making a lower high there, people are starting to put out reports, taking a call that you have a major bottom in that segment, which is another feeler that, you know, sentiment is really uh, out of whack right now because so early in the move, you rarely see people come out and make that kind of a call and you're seeing it not being made by one particular analyst, which would then be a standout case. But across the board, broking houses putting out those calls which is nothing more but a meeting the hopes of the broad market, which is a lot of people have been investing in these stocks, which have been beaten down. And unless they actually pick up, you're really not getting rotation or uh, the churn that creates volumes uh, in actual trading business. And therefore, uh, it's a reflection of that hope, which we actually seeing in the data itself uh, when we look at uh, some of the sentiment measures. So this hope not only spread out through broking houses, putting out those reports, but also in the media, you had an article in the Economic Times talking of uh, the mid-cap comeback. And in fact, Thursday morning, I saw a headline right on Bloomberg saying that Indian elections, the best case may be to bet on mid-caps. So that's the kind of sentiment I think that turned on it. And it's a little uh, wary because when I look at the relative strength of the sector, then I think the cycles actually last for up to two years down. Uh, to up uh, and we really not spend that much time on the downside for this cycle to be complete. So my sense of looking at some of those indicators is that uh, it might still be a bit early to say that the uh, worst is over for the broader market. But yes, we do have a very, very strong rally scene this week. And so that's brought the discussion back. One of the comparisons I was sitting with a, another technician uh, with a lot of experience and was saying that there are some similarities with what we've already seen in the year 2005 and I would agree to that extent that in 2005-06 when we actually saw relative weakness in the broad market the nifty actually held its own and then after that uh, the mid caps actually underperformed the nifty for the next two years even though the nifty continued to make higher highs on the back of large caps. So that was a trend that uh, we did see back then and if the large caps do resume a kind of a bigger trend on the way up uh, it would have closest similarity to that event. Uh, but looking at the entire macro picture, which is what I do now, which moves from currencies to commodities to international markets, I somehow feel we are not in that situation. But it, I think that would be the closest to what we can make if you want to actually state a bullish case for what the market is doing. And so when we move on to global macro, one of the big events of this week was 
that after the Fed uh, has already started to talk about lower rates, what we are beginning to see is the ECB actually backing off on its potential rate hikes, which means it actually wanted to do what the US was doing. Uh, it did stop its QE program in December uh, and was likely to move towards uh, what would be its possible first rate hike, hike and, they even, and they ended up announcing that they're not likely to do so, which is nothing more than an announcement of admitting that uh, there is no growth in the Eurozone, something that you'd already know from the data that has been coming out because apart from the US whose data has only started to weaken now in the last quarter, China and Europe were showing weakening economic data and uh, you know declining growth rates all of the last 12 months. So we had weak data coming out month after month after month. Those markets were underperforming and only the US was holding out, which has now started to show weakening data. And among the research that I read is that the US earnings growth, which has already dropped off in the December quarter is likely to drop off even more sharply into the uh, March quarter. Uh, but as markets look forward, they will try to guesstimate as to what happens after that. Uh, and it's likely to still be a slow grind for the rest of the year in terms of turning around from this weakness. And so uh, with the backing of the Fed, the question is, is all this reversal going to really lead to an immediate turnaround in economic activity? The probably short answer would be no, simply because uh, while the uh, you know European uh, Central Bank was still onto this program, you have seen growth rate collapse, which means there's something known as the delta of, you know, credit growth to the delta of, uh, you know, translating it to actual economic and earnings growth. And once that delta wears off, you need an even larger degree of stimulus for things to work out. So if you look at a good 15, 20 year time horizon over which this issue has actually been building up the first time around, uh, the kind the kind of rate cuts that were needed in say 2002, uh, or to a certain extent, you really didn't need so much of QE. But those rate cuts managed to stimulate the U.S. economy and drive back to the U.S. housing boom. Uh, but once you had the uh, went from a recession to the Great Recession, then you needed even more money stimulus for that to work. And so now if you're starting to see that we're already degrowing despite stimulus was running all through last year in many markets and uh, the U.S. Uh, which has only started tightening now and which is still in tightening mode, then uh, it's going to take a much bigger delta now. Uh, for the amount of growth, credit growth that you're going to need to get even the same level of growth. And that brings me to the same argument as to where should India stand on this issue because India has actually been at a lag of maybe uh, 5 to 10 years of what the global cycles have been doing. We really didn't hit the growth bottleneck in 2008 even though we got scared and stimulated our economy into some amount of inflation. Uh, right now we're actually beginning to see slowing of growth and a large part of the last couple of years uh, has been managed through trying to lower interest rates and stimulate what is known as consumption, especially on the rural side. And so I did point out and write you know, a couple of articles in the last few days on uh, these issues, especially that of uh, what would happen to the agro-commodity prices. But uh, the reason I came to that is the first thing what the ECB's uh, notes meant is that if they're going to be backing off, uh, what what you might think is, well, that's good news uh, for the economy, uh, but really, what is the most direct impact of that? Well, right away, like I said, you don't get an impact on the economy because you need a bigger delta. On the other hand, uh, the way financial markets take it is the first reaction is for the currencies to start weakening because the currency then sees that, well, if you're going to 
hold back on rates so or maybe you are actually going to stimulate in the future the currency started to weakening already anticipating that that is happening and what a weak euro means uh, and it's that's the largest component of the dollar index it means a strong dollar so the big view that the strong dollar would end up being the outcome of the entire global economic situation something that was held out by a lot of uh, macro analysts even though it looked like the dollar had started a bear market in you know 2016 17 uh, which is when i called the top at 104 we fell to 88 and since then we've been in a bounce back is this a counter trend move or can we still make a new high now i think it's time to be open to that final pop up Uh, will it get past the new highs or not? We'll watch. But that final pop-up, even if it's counter trend, can easily take you above the hundred mark. The point here is that if you have a strong dollar environment, uh, you're looking at most currencies once again weakening, just the way they were doing in 2015, 16, or 14, 15, when uh, the eurozone, Japan, all of them put together started to stimulate the global economy. And when their currencies weakened, essentially got a strong dollar environment that hurt the commodity prices. It hurt. commodity producers and various emerging markets that were linked to that or who had weak currencies and once again if you are moving towards a weakening of the dollar at an even bigger scale uh, sorry a weakening of other currencies at an even bigger scale or rather strengthening of the dollar uh, because uh, the other developed nations need to stimulate their economies then the very very direct impact of that is going to be on a large part of the emerging world and that's i think the fight that we are looking at right ahead of us and so uh, whatever side effects a strong dollar is likely to have on various markets i think you're going to see those side effects in the days weeks and months ahead uh, in fact i think it's uh, right here uh, which is what i was writing i think for most of the last two weeks and i think till now even now i think the markets don't seem to be convinced even though you had this big pop in the dollar uh, you still have several base metals holding out simply because i think the hopes from a china deal are higher than uh, anything else and i've already spoken about that last time as to why that itself has been a front run deal which means most of the trade has already been conducted and when you actually make announcements unless there are some major uh, stimulative effects which means the two countries decide to buy and sell something at a level greater than what is normal trade it's likely to be a non event uh, when it actually gets announced so uh the key takeaway is we are looking at a strong dollar environment and all the side effects that come with it whether it's weakening of commodity prices uh, and the impact that it has on the downside for various emerging markets where currencies can actually be weak so among the weakening currencies many currencies did react on the negative side uh, through the last week or two uh, but the usdnr actually managed to strengthen a bit because of our the way our markets were positioned it's a little surprising because when you actually cut rates Uh, which we did on the RBI meet, we still didn't see a weakening of the currency, and even then, uh, after all the border skirmishes, we didn't see too much. And now that we have a dollar move, we're still seeing it pulling back on the downside. The USD and R is still not started its next move on the upside. But if the DXY is going to strengthen and various other emerging markets, and especially I think the Chinese yuan uh, would also join that move. So I'm looking at it going back above seven, uh, maybe to even seven point two. Uh, then i don't think our currency can actually stay here in fact uh, the way we are seeing inflation fall over the last uh, you know several months or you know more than a year now in india uh, the push is really going to be towards weakening uh, interest rates and even more than that towards actually weakening uh, the currency uh, but how the heck are we going to get our rates down so i think i wrote in a couple of my uh, economic winter notes that we have 
uh, while there's the case for lowering rates, uh, one from the inflation side, second because corporate debt is the biggest issue that the world economy faces because corporate debt to GDP is at one of the highest levels that we've seen in history this time around. And even in India, I've already noted that non-government debt to GDP is crossed 100%. So it's really an issue. Uh, you can't get the same debt as the same equation. You can't get uh, the delta growth for delta expansion in credit in India anymore. And uh, most of the companies have reached uh, a level of uh, being over leveraged. They are being evergreened. And uh, it's really a question of survival. So the reason they have so much putting interest rate pressures is because they want rates to come down so that survival becomes a better case. And the only way that happens is you actually get transmission. And how do you get transmission when the cost of funds is high? And so we saw one measure this week in that direction. So in my last note, I actually was worried as to how do you implement this if you can't really bring down the cost. And one of the major costs for banks is deposit rates. And SBI became the first bank this week to actually start linking the RBI bank rate with deposit rates. Now, this is a very, very big move. It may be the first bank, but it may be a sign of things to follow because many other banks would eventually uh, be pushed to move that course. Maybe it's initially the PSU banks because those are easier to control from the government side. Uh, and once they start garnering business away from the private sector by offering lower uh, borrowing rates, you would expect uh, the uh, all of them to really start linking their deposit rates with uh, you know the bank rate of the RBI. Now there will there'll be two side effects of this. One of them will be that you know savers essentially will stop getting the kind of uh, rates that they were getting so far, which means initially you might bring down only the uh, you know basic uh, savings rate that you get, but later on it would Im impact even the fixed deposit rates. Uh, and once you start bringing down the cost of funds for banks, they would be able to offer loans at uh, you know lower rates. The bigger question is, will they continue to offer loans to evergreening the existing corporates or will they actually have to give out loans to new projects and businesses that are viable? And that means, will they really give out more loans at uh, lower rates initially? But every time in, in a cycle, as you've seen in most of the Western economies, when you start lowering rates, uh, the impact is not immediate, but there is always a threshold below which eventually it ends up having a positive economic impact. So I think we've moved one step in that direction. Uh, and so it's a very, very big step because uh, I didn't expect it happening so fast. But the question is, will it spread to the rest of the industry? Probably eventually it will. And that is one way you can actually put a floor below uh, the markets uh, when they actually head lower. So I think we, we're starting to put that floor, which means the, uh, you know, government and various uh, machinery that's there, the RBI is really on top of the idea of not letting, letting this whole thing break down. But the question is, what about all the bad debts? Are you going to just, uh, you know, allow them to survive without really turning around by lowering interest rates? Uh, and whether that would uh, be a good way to stay? Because that really leads to the same issue that US faces, which is it has the highest percentage of zombie companies in the S&P 500, which is companies that can no more service their interest rate because they've just continued to borrow and borrow and reach a point where uh, it's no more workable even at these extremely low rates for them. Uh, and also many of them have ended up financing their books to uh, do things like share buybacks during the current cycle. So what are we choosing right now? Are we choosing uh, to you know, reset the economy and get things started on the right footing or simply to keep the bubble getting reflated? And I think that's the big question. Of course, to you as an investor or trader, it doesn't matter if the bubble gets reflated. You just want to make money on the upside. 
but uh, what impact it has on financial markets uh, over a period which key measures move more uh, is what uh, I try to look at. Will it mean a significant weakening more of the currency because that's what you would need really to uh, you know get things started which means that uh, I would actually end up being right on the currency front even though it's appearing to strengthen right now the rupee. Uh, eventually, it have to be weakened much more if we are looking at cutting rates significantly and meaningfully from here to really stimulate the economy. Also, in a situation where commodity prices, especially agro prices worldwide, start coming down, the only way you're going to be able to raise prices is you actually have to adjust to that. Otherwise, you'd have to actually raise duties on imports to make those adjustments if you really don't want to bring prices down. Uh, how do you really raise MSPs? I mean, MSP raising is just one way of doing it. Uh, it's very similar to really putting duties because uh, that means that you make imports defunct and completely become dependent on your domestic manufacturing of those goods and at a much higher price rate. So the currency has to end up adjusting to that uh, eventually. So this is the uh, whole mix of, I think, uh, thoughts and ideas that we're running through. Uh, so while we do see a weakening in the global economic environment which should have a direct negative effect on our markets. Uh, the uh, one thing that would probably bring about a possible floor uh, to the downside would be the lowering of interest rates and this move towards uh, you know uh, lowering deposit rates is one big measure in that direction and could eventually become the reason uh, you know why you uh, manage to you know keep things from you know going into a crisis. Uh, but in the short term, I think we still have a lot more to happen uh, if we are really looking at uh, weakening rates. And if that ends up having a direct impact on our bond market, we'll still get uh, pressure on interest rates likely on the upside. So my long term view of you know high interest rates first before they head lower continues to be on cards. And I only go by the market signals and not by actual actions because market signals can sometimes be very, very different. Uh, market actions uh, can be steps in a direction as to what you want to happen, but not necessarily that the markets give into it on the first step. And so after, it will take several steps on the uh, you know front of RBI trying to attempt and push transmission uh, and bring down interest rates before we actually get a turnaround in the situation. In the meantime, we still have to deal with the existing NPAs and potentially the NBFC sector. Uh, we don't know how much more of uh, you know, corporate and other debt, especially even the pledge shares issues which have been propping up are going to be uh, a big problem for uh, the entire sector. And so uh, those issues will remain on the table inter with interest rate pressures. And once we've, uh, you know, gotten past that is when we'll really be able to look at a, a real possible turnaround uh, for markets. But right now, I think the global risks is where we change and turn our attention to right away uh, given what uh, the Eurozone has done this week. Uh, the only domestic event, I think, is the elections going ahead. Uh, but I don't think the uh, complete win of an election really will change the economic environment. Uh, though there's this history that every time you get a strong government, you get 12 months of, uh, you know, a, a possibly good uh, bull market or bullish trend in financial markets. Right now, we really don't know what will be the result of these elections. Uh, everybody's probably betting on it being one way. Uh, what I think I'll have to actually look at results. Sometimes the markets will give us a signal that the markets are weak, like I said, into an election season. Uh, the next one month, I think now that the dates have been announced, 
which is in uh, from you know 11th April onwards uh, i think for mumbai and i think many other states all going through elections throughout april the market trend from now into april is going to be extremely important in determining whether uh, the existing government gets revoted simply based on the historical study that ew has done on uh, when an uh, you know existing government goes for re-election do they win or not and the uh, immediate market trend plays a very very large role in that happening and i think the biggest risk to the current markets uh, is coming from the global side that said we've still not made a new high we have a sentiment extreme all of which is pointing more to the downside than the upside uh, even though sentiment has significantly changed on this bump up in mid caps last week that's it from my update for this week thank you